Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the speaker director for White Horse Media, Pastor Steve Wahlberg. Welcome to Upward Way. Yes, hello, Marlon. Thank you for having me as your guest today. Thank you, Pastor. It's really a joy and a privilege to have you here. And I can promise you, my listeners, that you are really and truly in for a treat. So, Pastor, before we proceed um, too far in the interview, I just wanted to share a little about your background. You know, who is Pastor Steve Wahlberg? Yes, uh, Pastor Steve Wahlberg just turned 64. So I'm getting up in my life, but I've been uh, blessed with good health. And I'm married. Uh, my anniversary is coming up in just a couple of days. My wife's name is Kristen. We've been married for 20, it'll be 23 years. And we have two children. We have a 15-year-old daughter named Abigail, or we call her Abby. Uh, and then we have a son who is Seth, and he's 18. He's now a freshman in college. Abby is in ninth grade uh, in high school. It's the privilege of also being partly homeschooled from my wife, and my wife also teaches at the school. So um, I've been a, a Christian now for just about 43 years, and I tell you, I never had any thoughts as I was growing up, uh, that I would ever become a pastor or a minister or that I would read the Bible. Uh, all of this is was a big change in my life when I uh, turned 20 years old. So it's been a long journey, but it's been a fantastic one. And I'm very uh, happy to be alive after 64 years. Amen. So you're talking about uh, 43, 44 years walking with Jesus as your Savior. So you did mention that at 20, that's where you had that change in your life. So how did that actually unfold? You meeting Christ, having a change of life? Yes, uh, it, I've actually written, written up my story in a book called From Hollywood to Heaven. I've written a number of books. God has led me into writing and speaking, and now I direct White Horse Media. But when I when I grew up, uh, I grew up in in the Hollywood Hills of Southern California, right over the hill from the famous Hollywood sign. I grew up in a very uh, secular Jewish home that didn't really talk about God. We didn't read the Bible. We didn't uh, we didn't go to the synagogue or church. Uh, we celebrated Passover every once in a while, but it was just really a cultural uh, experience where we got together with some of our, our Jewish neighbors and um, ate certain kinds of food, uh, but it wasn't a religious, a re religious event. We didn't pray. 
we didn't read the Bible. And so this was, uh, that was very foreign to me. And as I was growing up in the Hollywood Hills, I was surrounded by the entertainment industry and just the whole culture of the, the 70s, uh, rock and roll music, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, different groups. And when I turned uh, 13 and 14 and became a teenager, I just was pulled into that life. I went to North Hollywood High School. I went to Los Angeles Valley College, and I don't think I knew anybody that was a Christian or that read the Bible. And I remember sitting in the back of a school bus on the way to school when I was, I think, 14 years old, and somebody offered me a, a smoking object, which I later found out was a marijuana cigarette. And she said, here, uh, take a toke, Steve, try it. So uh, at the back of the bus, 14 years old, I took my first uh, inhalation of, of marijuana, and that resulted in about six years of using drugs. I'm not happy to say, but that's what happened. And I started drinking and started going to the discotheques and dancing and the wild parties. And that's just what my friends did. I also played a lot of basketball. So I think that's what helped me survive in those days was I was exercising a lot, playing a lot of basketball, and I was dancing on the dance floor. But um, I had no real direction in my life. And after doing this for six years of just getting deeper and deeper into the Hollywood scene and the music and the parties and the concerts... I started feeling a real need for something in my life, but I didn't really know what it was. And I think when I was 19, I started running into uh, people that believed in the Bible in strange places. Uh, one man I met at the beach, another uh, girl I met at a, at, a, at, a, at a club, and she started talking to me about different things. And I started running into people that just started planting seeds in my head about uh, about God, that there is a God, that there's someone up there, and that there's a Bible. And so when I was 20 years old, I I found a Bible, actually. At my dad, my dad and my my mom were divorced when I was 16, and my dad remarried a woman that uh, grew up a Christian. She wasn't practicing at the time when she met my dad, but uh, they they married and we we moved in together into a condominium in Studio City, California. And when I started thinking about the Bible, I went upstairs at, to my dad's uh, uh, den upstairs next to his bedroom, and there was a whole bunch of books that were on the bookshelf. And I looked on the bookshelf, and there was a Bible. My, my stepmother, my dad's second wife, uh, had some Bibles on the shelf. She wasn't reading them, but, but there they were. So I picked up a Bible, and I began to read it. And the first book that I ever read, as I, as I opened the Bible, I looked at the table of contents, and I, I didn't have any idea where to start. And there was one particular book. The name was Ecclesiastes. And it just it just uh, intrigued me. I thought, what is that book about Ecclesiastes? So, pretty strange I, uh, now, name, right? 
yeah, it was very strange. And I found the book in the Bible and I started reading it. And it was all about King Solomon during the days of Israel, where he had uh, anything that money could buy. He was very wealthy. He had many wives. Uh, he had lots of land and vineyards and all these things. And and at one point in the book, he said that everything was empty. Uh, he used the expression, vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. And he, he said, I've got everything, but I'm not happy. And at that point in my life, I was actually, I had actually just started a summer job in the film business, and I was an extra, which means that the people that if you watch, you know, a movie, you'll see the people that talk, the main actors and actresses, and then the extras are the people in the background. And they make a little bit of money, not a huge amount, but they're there and they're part of the program, part of the movie or this television series. So that's what I did for one summer. I was a, I worked as an extra and I had a lot of free time as I would go out to work on different shows or commercials somewhere around the Hollywood area. We would film in different places and in between my uh, responsibilities to do different things, uh, I would sit off stage and wait for my little part. So I decided to take the Bible with me as I would sit off stage and wait for my part. And I started reading Ecclesiastes while I was working as an extra. And I, I distinctly remember looking around me at the people that I was working with, like the director or the actors or the actresses, the, this, the film crew, the people on camera. And I, I remember looking at them and thinking to myself, as I was reading Ecclesiastes, that uh, on the one hand, I thought, hey, this is great. I'm, I'm working in the movies now. I'm, I'm on camera. But I, I looked at the people, and they really didn't look happy. I mean, when they were when they were filming their different parts, they were they were happy or whatever they did. But when they were off stage, I just looked at them and I noticed that they really didn't they just didn't look happy. They were stressed, and they they just didn't have uh, happy looks on their faces. And so, I looked at the Bible where King Solomon said he had everything, but it, he was empty. And I looked at the people around me, and I thought, here, they, they're in Hollywood, they're in the movies, they're making money, uh, but they don't look happy. And so I thought to myself, maybe this isn't really what it's all about. You know, Maybe just having a, a great job and being in the movies and being in Hollywood, maybe it's just a dead end. And I, And at that point, like I said, I had a I had a hole in my heart. I was looking for something because I was using drugs and drinking alcohol, and I wasn't at peace inside me. And as I looked around at the people, and as I read the Bible, I believed that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, began to talk to my conscience and my mind, and he started impressing me that God was real and that God had a better plan for my life. He had he had something that was much much better than what I had at that time, and so it just continued to spark my interest to read more of this new book, the Bible. And the more I kept reading, uh, things started happening in my heart, and a big change took place. Tell us about change. So. Wow, <laughs> that is quite, uh, would say, a mouthful. 
I can imagine during that transition period, you know, there would have been quite a lot number of challenges that you would have had to encounter. So what would have been some of those initial challenges that you would have faced? And also, what was your strategy for overcoming some of those challenges? Well, I can't really say I had a strategy because at that point in my life, uh, I wasn't thinking very clearly and I wasn't really uh, thinking along those lines. But as far as the challenges, the challenge was that I was the only person in my family that was reading the Bible. Even though my parents were divorced, I still kept in touch with my mother, my Jewish mother. My dad was Jewish. Uh, he was also doing things that that weren't good uh, with his wife. Uh, they would go out to places that I wouldn't go out to today. And then I had a brother and a sister, and I had all my friends who were into the party life. So I didn't know anybody that was reading the Bible. And so that was a big challenge for me to just to deal with that. And I remember one day when I was on one of the, uh, they call it on location, I was acting the part of an extra in a school on location filming uh, a, a program, I believe it was called Family, it was one of those old TV series like Father Knows Best or Leave it to Beaver, some of those old 70s uh, series that were that were not anything you know really bad. So I was part of that, and I was on the set. And as I was, and it was uh, during my off time when I was waiting for my my part, and I was reading the Bible. And a man walked up to me. He saw me reading the Bible, and he said, "He said, what are you reading?" And I told him, "I'm reading the Bible." And he said, "Oh, really?" He said, um, "Is there anything interesting you found in that book?" And I said, actually, yes, there's quite a bit of interesting things. I've never read it before. This is new to me, but there's a lot in this book. And so he introduced himself to me. His name was Michael. And come to find out that he was uh, he was working at the school. He wasn't one of the extras, but he was he went to a church in Los Angeles. So he said, would you mind if I, uh, how'd you like to come, come with me to church sometime? So he was, he was uh, I guess, acting like a little missionary there, and he found me, and here I am reading the Bible, but I don't know much, so he invited me to church, and uh, one, one day I drove down to Los Angeles, met him, and went into his church. And it was actually an all-black church, and uh, it was very black, and I'm very white, <laughs> but it was, it was an incredible experience. Uh, the pastor actually brought me up in front of the church and uh, introduced me to everybody, and the people were very, very friendly. And so that was really the beginning of my encounter with Christians. But it was a long way from my house. It was uh, in Los Angeles, and I lived over the hill in Studio City in the San Fernando Valley. And so what happened was I began to uh, look for a church that was close to me. And of course, like you mentioned, challenges, the challenge was I did I don't know anybody around me or in my family that's doing anything like this. And I have no idea where to go. What do I do? So I found a phone book. I started looking in the phone book for a church. And I actually visited a couple of churches in, in my area. I went to a synagogue, which was not far from my house, but the rabbi wasn't there that day. 
And that was about the extent of my um, involvement with Judaism. Was That was it. He wasn't there, and so I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I found some Christian churches, visited them. And one day I turned on a television set in my dad's house. And out of the blue, there was a friendly man looking at me who said, hello, friend, welcome to It Is Written Television. And that man was Pastor George Vandeman. And uh, the program was called It Is Written. And I watched it one time. And uh, it, it, it interested me. It really caught my interest. And he was talking about the Ten Commandments. And he was talking about the Bible Sabbath on the seventh day. So at the end of his program, he held up a little book called The Day to Remember. And it seemed like he looked right at me. And he said, if you'd like to learn more about this, why don't you uh, call the 800 number on the screen and order this book and we'll give it to you for free. We'll send it to you as a gift. So I felt this compulsion to go to the phone and call that man on the television set. And so I did that. And the phone rang um, in Michigan. I didn't know it at the time. And somebody took my name and information. Uh, and then they sent me the book, A Day to Remember, about the Seventh-day Sabbath. And I got it in the mail. I, and I, when I got it at my dad's house, I remember sitting down and reading it. I think I read it in one sitting. And somewhere during the course of the book, it started talking about the importance of the Ten Commandments that God wrote Ten Commandments with his own finger on stone. And when I, when I read that, I remember stopping uh, and pausing as I was reading the book and thinking to myself that I was pretty confused about religion at the time because uh, the different churches that I went to, they would say one thing, one church would say, hell burns forever. Another church would say, hell doesn't burn forever. Uh, different churches said different things, and pastors said different things, and I was confused. And then I remember thinking to myself, Steve, you're very confused about religion, but something just uh, tells me that if I stick to the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God on two tables of stone, I can't go wrong with that. And so uh, I continued to read the book, and when I finished the book, there was a little sentence at the end of this book that said, why don't you come visit a Seventh-day Adventist church sometime and say hello? And so I thought, Seventh-day Adventist, what in the world is that? And I remember, uh, I thought, wait a minute, haven't I heard that name before somewhere? And there was a hazy thought that came up in the back of my, back of my brain that uh, I remembered that about three months earlier, I had been uh, in a health food store with a friend of mine which is kind of funny that we use drugs, but we also went to health food stores trying to eat some healthy food. Maybe that we knew somehow that that's going to help us survive the life of drugs. <laughs> and my friend met one of the men that worked at the health food store. His name was Richard. And as my friend and I walked out of that store, he said, you know, that guy that I was talking to, uh, his name is Richard. And that man is a Seventh-day Adventist. He had told him that, and it meant nothing to me at the time, and I didn't think about it. But three months later, after I read the book, and I read that sentence in the back of the book that said, come visit a Seventh-day Adventist church sometime and say hello, then I remembered, oh yeah, there's that guy at the health food store named Richard, who's a Seventh-day Adventist. So I got in my car, and I drove out to Northridge, which was near, not far from where I lived, in the San Fernando Valley, and I uh, went into that market, the health food market, 
And I looked around and I saw Richard. I recognized this was the guy that my friend was talking to. So I walked up to him and I reached out my hand and I said, hi, my name's uh, Steve Wahlberg. W would you mind if I went to church with you some Saturday? And he was uh, pretty shocked by that. And he reached out his hand. He said, hi, my name's Richard. Uh, so we got acquainted and and he invited me to church, or I actually invited myself to church, invited him to tell, take me to church. That's right. So uh, about uh, maybe two weeks later, I visited for the first time a Seventh-day Adventist church, just like I had visited other churches. And I started asking questions because I was searching and I met the pastor, the pastor there. His name was actually Pastor Church. That was his last name, Church. So he brought me into his office, sat me down and asked me who I was, how did I get here? And then uh, in the course of the conversation, he reached onto his bookshelf and he handed me a copy of a book called The Desire of Ages on the Life of Jesus. And he said, here, you can have this book, take it home and read it. So I did that. When I left the church, I went home and I had a book now, a new book called The Desire of Ages on the Life of Jesus. And uh, to make a long story short, I read that book cover to cover, and that was the first time in my life that I ever began to understand who Jesus was. And as I neared the end of that book, I actually decided to get on my knees and to ask Jesus to come into my life and to get me out of the alcohol and the drugs and the parties and the wildlife and to, to help me because uh, I needed help. I needed a lot of help. And I tell you, Marlon, when I made that choice to give my life to Jesus, uh, everything changed when I, when I did that. And what really, really moved me to make that decision was when I read in the Desire Pages about Jesus' suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, chapter 74 of the book was called Gethsemane. And I read that chapter, and there was a picture in the book of, of uh, Jesus portrayed being in the garden, kneeling down in prayer. And there was an angel behind him. The Bible talks about how he was in great agony. He was sweating drops of blood. And an angel came and strengthened him to, to drink the cup, which represents the cup of the sins of the whole world. Whether And he had this big decision to make, was he going to take into his mind and into his heart the sins of the whole world and pay the price for the sins of everybody, including me, or was he going to uh, avoid that terrible ordeal? And he finally made the decision. He made it three times. I'm going to do it. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not if it's not possible, your will be done. And when he finally decided, uh, I'm going to do it no matter what, that scene just really spoke to my heart. And when I saw the picture of him, he looked so sad. He was struggling. The angel was standing behind him. And he just looked so, so, um, so sad and so in, in pain. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, it was just a picture in a book, one picture in that chapter. And I thought, why is he going through this? Why is he doing all this? And then what happened to me, to me, this is the greatest miracle of all, was the, the Holy Spirit spoke to my conscience and told me that uh, in this, this conviction or impression, it wasn't like a voice, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a, an impression 
that here is Jesus, the Son of God, come down from heaven, and he is making a choice to carry and to bear and to suffer for the sins of the world, which included my sins. And uh, when I saw that, I, I just realized that this man is someone I want to get to know. This is somebody I really, my life had no direction. I was in trouble. I was doing all kinds of drugs. I was, I had friends that died of drugs. And it just hit me that if I'm going to make a change in my life, if I'm going to survive, I, I need, I need God. And, and Jesus just drew me to him. It was the Holy Spirit that just drew me that he looked so attractive and so, loving and so willing to suffer for others including me that i just may i just decided i'm going to i'm going to take a chance i'm going to get on my knees and i'm going to take a chance and pray i'd never prayed in my life and i was going to ask him to come into my life and forgive my sins and see what happens <laughs> so i did that and i i remember when i prayed that prayer that something happened inside me. I felt this peace come into me that I've never felt before. I felt this, this weight of guilt lift off of my mind and my conscience, and I felt free. I felt like I was forgiven for all the things that I'd been doing, and that God was now in my life, that Jesus was in my life, and this was the beginning of a whole new start for me. And that's how it started. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, I tell you, it's been a journey now. That was 43 years ago. And and I guess that you mentioned, what are the challenges? The challenge, one of the big challenges for me at that time, well, it was a big challenge to make the surrender and to give him my life. Because a lot of parts of me were saying, don't do it. But, but the other challenge was, I'm the only one in my family that's doing this. And I don't know anybody, hardly, except for Richard now at Pastor Church, that it's a Christian. And so the challenge was to live a different life, to follow the Bible. What about all my, my party buddies, my friends, that we used to go to the rock concerts and the, and the parties on, uh, in Hollywood? And, and that's my whole social network is everybody that's doing these things. Uh, and my, my mom and my dad don't know anything about this. My brother and my sister don't know anything about this. So it was a challenge to, to begin to live a different life. But God helped me, and he's been helping me for 43 years. Amen. That, that is really tough. Now, I, I want to transition pretty quickly into your role as an author. But before I get there, as you, as you have mentioned these challenges, or this challenge being, let's say, the only fish in the pond someone listening it might sound strange to them because you know when we think about uh, america if there's nothing we know we say america is a christian country so for the first let's say 14 15 years of your life christianity was something totally foreign to you so from your experience what can you say about a life in america that you know promotes christianity promotes, um, we will say, um, Protestantism that makes it so unique for someone to be a Christian and he or she is the only 
would say fish in the pond, so to speak, because most around don't have the slightest clue as to, as to what Christianity is really all about. Well, if you look at American history, and I, I'm a real student of history, uh, if you look at history, you, you discover that America was founded by a lot of people who believed in God. They put together a constitution that established religious freedom. Uh, a lot of them went to church. And we, we're a, America is a country really like no other that, that I've ever been in that stands for principles of freedom uh, and, and that government shouldn't enforce religion uh, or prohibit the free exercise thereof. So America has, has a rich Christian history, but now we've come a long way since the 1600s and 1700s and the Declaration of Independence from England in 1776. And, and in, in, modern America, uh, there are a lot of places where there are people that don't know anything about God. And that was that was me. And so I, and, I, and again, I grew up in Los Angeles, in Southern California, in the Hollywood Hills, in the Studio City uh, area where people make movies. and Although there now I know that there are Christians in that area, and I certainly did meet some, as I mentioned, in my late teens. But as I was growing up in a Jewish home with Jewish friends and also friends from North Hollywood High School and Los Angeles Valley College, the circle of people that I knew, there was no praying that I saw. There was no Bible reading that I saw. People didn't go to church. It was just a secular, wild party, rock and roll, disco dancing. You know, sometimes I say I was a uh, marijuana smoking, cocaine snorting, disco dancing, lost Jew. And that was all I knew. So for me, when I first started reading the Bible, when Michael invited me to church for the first time, after meeting him when I was working as an extra, that was a whole new world for me. It was just and so and I and from what I know, there's a whole lot of people that live in America that grow up in communities or cultures or families or uh, their peers, their friends, and and they don't think about God at all. They just don't, uh, and yet there are others that that do. So America is a is a melting pot. It's a mixed bag. It's got all kinds of people from nations all around the world that are into anything and everything, and you can pretty much find what you're looking for in America these days. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but. So people think about America as a Christian nation. Yes, there's a lot of Christians in this country. And yes, we do have a strong Christian uh, heritage and history. But these days, there's a whole lot of people that aren't religious at all. And with the, with the growth of atheism and secularism and other religions like witchcraft, Wicca, uh, different kinds of things, there's just uh, there are many currents within this country that are far from Christian 
we're still here, but I think that the we're becoming more and more of a minority as compared to the past. There are less people now in America who have biblical have a biblical background. It's becoming much more secular and more uh, just godless, really, if you want to use that word, godless, because they don't think about God. They don't know about God. But on the other hand, there are strong Christians that are trying to make a difference. So the battle's on between, between good and evil, and the battle goes on in every one of our hearts. And even though you become a Christian, it, the battle doesn't stop. It's still going on, but when we become a believer in God and the Bible— we have uh, a, a supernatural source of strength that we didn't have before we made that decision. Yes, the battle does indeed rage on in your life even after accepting Christ. Now, to, to throw in what we consider a modern you know, lingo, you, you are quite a content creator. <laughs> you have written lots and lots of books you know you have produced dvds so many different you know forms of content so what led you into writing so let you can go there first and then later i will transition into white horse media itself sure um as i mentioned i never as i was growing up for the first 20 years i had no thought at, at all that i would ever become a christian that i'd ever become uh, a pastor, that I'd ever become a writer. And so it's been a journey that started when I was 20 in 1979. Uh, the first step was to move away from the school that I was in, which was Cal State Northridge, not too far from the Canoga Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, I was in, my major was marketing at the college where I was at Cal State University of Northridge. I lived in a co-ed dorm where there were uh, men and women on the same floor, and I could smell the marijuana smoke drafting you know, down the hallways, and the cafeteria became a discotheque on Saturday nights, and it was, it was a wild environment. And so after I read the book, The Desire of Ages, which I actually read in the dorm, when I just moved out from my dad's house, and I was now living in the dorm, I began to go to the Canoga Park Church and talk to the pastor and say, I read The Desire of Ages, the book you gave me. I've given my life to Jesus. I don't want to go to this school anymore. I don't want to be involved and surrounded by all these influences that I'm trying to get away from. So what do you recommend? So he recommended a college, which was an Adventist college called La Sierra College, which was about an hour away. Uh, my dad, I had a long visit with my dad, and my dad finally agreed to let me switch colleges. He was going to pay for that because I didn't have any money at that time. But he said one condition, and that is that you you get the deposit that I put in the dorm back, which was about $1,000. So I went right away down to the front desk of the dormitory, and I asked the lady if I could, if it wasn't too late to get a refund from my dad's deposit. And she looked at me and she said, uh, tomorrow is your last day for a refund. So I was just amazed, and I just said, praise the Lord, thank you. <laughs> and so uh, we got the refund, and I was able to transfer to La Sierra, and on on um, registration day, which was a little bit still like a week away, 
I went and I went to the administration building and told the the lady at the registration desk that I'm here to register to go to college. And she said, well, what are you, what are you going to study? And I said, I don't know. I'm just here to study the Bible. I'm a brand new Christian. And the pastor of my church sent me here, told me about the school. So she said, okay, you can be a religion major with either pastoral or educational. Those would be one of the two tracks. You could be a educational or pastoral. And I didn't realize that if, if I picked education, it would groom me to become a teacher. I would be educated to be a teacher. If I, if I chose pastoral, I would be uh, educated to become a minister. And off the top of my head, without even thinking about it, I just said, I'll just pick pastoral. And I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> so she enrolled me in the ministry right at that moment. And my dad paid for my education. So I was at La Sierra for three years, and I uh, learned the Bible. And then I was hired uh, by one of our conferences in Central California to work as an intern as a young, uh, a young pastor. So I did that for a year, and then the conference sent me to Andrews University in Michigan to get more of an education, and that's where I got my master's degree. And then after that, I came out and I was pastoring, and eventually I joined a ministry called Amazing Facts, which is a, uh, a, a ministry that gives seminars on the Bible that's what I really wanted to do. And so anyway, as I started working for Amazing Facts and I started holding seminars myself where I was teaching people the Bible, I, I realized that there's so much confusion out there in the religious world. And somewhere along the lines, I just felt impressed to start to start writing, to clarify these issues before the audiences that I was speaking in front of as a speaker for Amazing Facts. And one of the big issues had to do with Israel, Israel in prophecy, uh, what's the role of Israel, what's the confusion between the right view and the wrong view. And that led me to write a book about Israel, and Amazing Facts published it. And uh, that was my first book. And the book became very, uh, people really liked it, and and a lot of people read it. And so one step led to another, and I realized that I've got a, I'm developing a gift to be a writer. Uh, now I've got my education behind me. I'm now uh, employed as a minister. I'm now giving seminars on the Bible and the book of Revelation, which I've always loved the book of Revelation. Uh, it interested me even more than Ecclesiastes. After Ecclesiastes, I finally got to the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible all about prophecy. And I just became really interested in that. And so little by little, as I continued to teach and, and speak, uh, I began to write. And I just kept writing on different topics, one topic after another. And it, like I said, it wasn't something that I, I'd ever planned, but I, I realized that God has given me uh, a gift as a writer. So now I think it's over 40 books I've written, and uh, little by little, step by step, eventually I became involved with this ministry, which is now called White Horse Media. Uh, we picked the name White Horse Media because in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, Jesus is described as returning to the earth at the very end of time on a white horse. And in the imagery is that here comes heaven's hero, 
like the you know the shining knight on on the white horse comes to rescue uh the the damsel in distress so like from from the movies and jesus is the hero that comes down from heaven on a white horse to rescue his people and to uh deliver them from a very difficult uh, world that we're living in right now and so we picked the name white horse uh, media because we're we became a media ministry and it's been a long journey but now we're in north idaho we're way up in the mountains. We have a beautiful building. We have five acres. We have a staff of people that I work with. There's about 10 of us, and we contract with other people. We're very much into technology. We have a big television studio. We have a YouTube channel, a Facebook page. We're branching out into many different forms of social media. Uh, we have a whole team of people. We pray together. Uh, I write. I hold seminars. And other people that I work with hold seminars, and we're just growing. Our ministry is growing. God is blessing it. We're reaching people all around the world. There are people that know about our ministry uh, in in Japan, and in uh, South Africa, and in Russia, and in Australia. I've been invited to speak. I've got an invitation to go to Holland in a number of months. And I've been to Australia. I've been to New Zealand. I've spoken in Canada. I've been to Germany. God has just opened up all these doors for White Horse Media to reach people. And uh, it's been, like I said, a long journey, but my life has completely changed. And now I have uh, a wife, two children. I don't go to the parties and the discos anymore. And I don't do all those things. So instead of Friday night going out and, and dancing, now on Friday night, sometimes I'm I'm speaking in a in a church or in a public place holding a meeting. So it's been a big change for me, and I owe all of it to God and his grace and his goodness and his mercy to me because I don't deserve any of it. Yes, we certainly don't deserve God's goodness and his grace. You know, one of my favorite songs for this season, it, it's entitled The Goodness of God, and I'm almost certainly you're familiar with it but in the refrain or the chorus it says you know your goodness is running after me and as i listen to you speak that's really what i'm getting from from the conversation that god's goodness is really running or has been <laughs> really running after you so god is pouring down his blessings on you being a busy individual many folks are amazed by how one person can get so much done how do you strike that balance in your life balancing ministry balancing family time balancing time alone for yourself because working sometimes we really have difficulties and we need some alone time you know just to refresh and to cool down so how do you balance things in your life that work family life balance and also dealing with challenges that would pop up or disappointments that would pop up in your life how do i do that uh, well there's many different things but probably the first thing is prayer is maintaining my relationship with god reading my bible which i do regularly in the, in the mornings or in the evenings before i go to bed and just making a, a conscious decision that I'm going to maintain 
my relationship with God and that he is the priority of my life. You mentioned a, a little while ago, we talked about whether I had a strategy uh, in those earlier days. And I said, no, because that word was not even in my vocabulary, hardly having a strategy. So, and even today, uh, I, I do have some strategies where I certainly need to plan about doing different things, but a lot of it is really just an internal an internal sense of balance that I need to I need to balance my life out between spending alone time with God, spending time with my family, with my son, with my daughter, with my wife. I need to spend time in my garden. I need to get outside and get a get some fresh air. I also uh, this morning I got up at about I think it was about five thirty or maybe six o'clock, and uh, I decided I'm going to go running. So I, I like to jog around the neighborhood. I don't jog very fast, but I just chug along, and maybe I was out for about an hour, and that gave me good exercise for the day. So I've got my routine, and then it's time for breakfast, and then I uh, come over to the office, which is right on my property, and then I come back for lunch, and I come back in the evenings, and it's just really an internal sense of trying to maintain a balance between working, seminars, ministry, family, exercise, getting enough sleep at night. And it, and if something sense, if I sense that I'm out of balance, that I'm I'm working too much and I'm not spending time with my family, then I I try to just adjust. It's a, it's an internal sensor that you need to adjust. And so it's a balancing act. And and those are my priorities. My priorities are God and the Bible and my wife and my children and Whitehorse Media and my health exercise, uh, my garden, my orchard. And I just try to toggle and make sure that everything seems to be in balance. And if it's getting unbalanced, then I need to adjust. And so... That's what I try to do. And as I'm getting older, I also feel, realize at the age of 64, uh, I can't do the things that I used to do at 35. I just, I just can't continue to go, 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 go. When I, when I was young or younger, when I worked for Amazing Facts and held seminars, uh, when I was writing books a lot, I would go out and I would hold a four-week seminar. And I would do this maybe six times a year. But now that I'm married with kids, uh, I typically go out one month or a weekend, and then I'm home the rest of the month, well, working at the office and spending time with my family and and jogging and uh, working in my garden and planting. It's just about time to plant the kale and the lettuce and the, and the beets. And I've got fruit trees outside that need to be trimmed because the snow is starting to melt around my orchard we live way up in the mountains we had a lot of snow this year so that that's i guess that's that's what i try to do balance and pray and say lord use me today and help me to make good decisions so i can be a blessing to other people wonderful striking or balancing things out is so critical to our survival in this fast-paced world of ours. What advice would you give to a young Christian 
starting out on his journey, her journey, doesn't have too much support around him, around her, but who really wants to maintain that walk of faith. What advice would you give to this young Christian? Well, first of all, they need to make a decision inside of them that this needs to be their their compass. And the decision is, I am going to give my life to God and put God first in my life uh, for the rest of my life. And and so to me, that's really the basic. Uh, the next thing is that the Bible is God's word. And I'm going to feed my soul. I'm going to feed my mind. I'm going to grow my life, my spiritual life, my intellectual life. Uh, by eating on God's word. And I'm not saying we should never read other books. I do read other books, but the Bible. So Jesus is number one, and the and his word needs to be the foundation of our lives. Uh, something else that I've learned, and this is, I guess, advice for others that are listening, is one of the biggest decisions and best decisions I've ever made was to make a choice to regularly pray for the Holy Spirit. Bible talks a lot about that. In Luke 11, verse 13, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And in John 16, 13, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. So I've made a decision that I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to guide my life. And that has helped me more than, than words can say. Uh, so that's that's a big a big recommendation. And then another recommendation is to is to pray that God will help you to find other Christian friends that are going to be a source of encouragement for you so you can you can begin to develop a network of of friendships, of people that are going to encourage you instead of bringing you down. And then I also believe in education. I believe in getting an education and not necessarily going to college, although this is a good thing. But, uh, you know, there's other ways to get educated. I think one of the biggest investments that we can make in our futures is to get educated and to learn things that are important for us to learn. And then we have to find our niche in life, whatever. For me, my niche is being the speaker director of Whitehorse Media and being an author. You know, other people have other niches. People get into the medical field. They get into law. They get into uh, practical things where they work for company, companies. They get into auto mechanics. You know, there's all kinds of different fields that people are needed in. Computers. My son is now computer uh, programming. That's his, his major in college. My daughter, uh, she wants to come to Japan. She wants to learn. She's learning Japanese. She's really good at art. So everybody has a, has a different niche. And so you just pray that God will lead you in what he wants you to do so you can develop your talents, you can develop your abilities, uh, you can become uh, influential in, in helping other people. Ultimately, the golden life is not just to be here for ourselves. And we're, we're not going to be really happy if we just live for ourselves. We need to live to help other people and to be a blessing. And there are many ways to do that. So Put Jesus first. Make the Bible the your your main source of uh, spiritual enlightenment. Pray for the Holy Spirit. 
pray for opportunities to to get to know other people that can encourage you on their on the right path. There's a Bible verse that says, "He who walks with the wise grows wise." So surround yourself with people that are are uh, good people, and then pray for God's leading uh, in your life to educate yourself so you can so you can make something out of your life, or God can make something out of you to be a blessing while you're here on this earth as you wait and get ready for heaven. I really love that part you mentioned about getting yourself educated because, you know, there is this hustler or street mart culture that is creeping up on us as a society. But as you said, it's about finding your own niche and getting yourself educated in it. I wanted to take some time. I know you have spoken a bit already about White Horse Media, but still some individuals might not have caught onto that. So if you could just share with the audience how they can get connected with White Horse Media, your, your web page, Facebook page, etc. If they would want to connect with you personally, you know, how do they make contact? So I'll give you a few minutes just to share those you know, handles. And then later on, I'll come to something else. Sure. Uh, our main hub, our main website is whitehorsemedia.com. White like the color, a horse like the animal, media.com. And we also have a, a very big or growing YouTube channel. So if people go to YouTube, they can just type in White Horse Media. They can find our channel. And uh, I'm happy and thankful to to uh, say that we've crossed recently the 10 million view mark so a lot of people are watching our videos we praise the lord for that uh, we have a lot of videos we have some that are very short uh, some of them are like three minutes or four minutes uh, and they've got a lot of views we have some videos that have over a couple of million views and so we're doing a lot on youtube uh, so our website and our YouTube channel. We also have a Facebook page, uh, a White Horse Media Facebook page. So we have different ways that we're reaching out. And so if they go onto our website, they can check out our, our books. We have eBooks. They can find eBooks and books on Amazon that we have, uh, and they can contact us. We have a contact us section there on the website, and we're here to to be a blessing to others. Like I said, we have a staff. We have a wonderful team of people that I work with. We all work together very well. Some of our staff are very high tech, so they know what they're doing. That's what's helping us to get out into social media, to grow our YouTube channel. And we're praying people, and we're just seeking to, to be a blessing to others, to help them. And so people can find happiness and peace and joy uh, through knowing God that you're not going to find in, in this world of sin. There you have it. You know exactly how you can get in contact with uh, Pastor Steve and the ministry. My guest has been Pastor Steve Wahlberg, Speaker Director of White Horse Media. I must say thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to really sit and have a talk with us. But as is customary before we go, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? Thank you for the opportunity to share. I guess my parting words are, life is short. These days, people are creating shorts, and we're doing this too. They call them shorts, shorts on YouTube, shorts on TikTok. 
Uh, people have short attention spans, so they they like to watch short videos. And I guess one of my parting comments, or the, my final to you, is that uh, life is short. It's not just a short video, but life is short. And uh, eternity is a long, long time. The Bible talks about things present and things to come. And we've got to find a balance between living our lives during our present time down here, uh, which is very short, so that we can make our lives count for something, count for God. But we've got to keep in mind that eternity is a long, long time. And so I would encourage people not to forget or ignore or neglect that this is this life is very short and that God's plan for us is, is long. He has a long, eternal plan for you and for me. And the best decision we can make is to realize that uh, God made us, he loves us, he has a plan for us far beyond this life, and to not put this life above the uh, eternal life that God is offering us. If we put him first and put eternal life first, the things of this life will fall into place. So that's the priority. The priority is eternal life, number one, with Jesus, and then he will help us to live our lives during the short life in a way that uh, that we will not regret when it's all over, that we'll feel like we've done our part, we've helped others, uh, we've honored God. And if we do that, we have a very, 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 very exciting future ahead of us because God has more for us than we'll, that we have any idea and when we get up to heaven and enjoy the new Jerusalem and are surrounded by God's people uh, and all the trials and pains and sorrows of this life are over, we will realize we made the best decision we can ever make, which is to give our lives 100% to Jesus, who loves us and who died for us on the cross and who rose from the dead. Life is short, but eternity is a long time. And if we give our lives to Jesus, we are able to enjoy an eternity with him. You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page click like and leave a comment. Until then, I'm Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.